This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9. Good morning. It's 7.06 a.m. on Monday, the 19th of February. You are listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Wong Xiaoning and Keith Kam. Now, in half an hour, we're going to be discussing the recent release of Malaysia's fourth quarter GDP numbers and what this bodes about the economic outlook for 2024. But in the meantime, let's kickstart the morning with a recap on how global markets closed last Friday. It was a red- day um, after yet another hot inflation report stoked fears that the Fed rate cuts might not happen uh, this this year. Uh, the Dow Jones fell more than 100 points. That's down 0.4%. The S&P 500 was down 0.5%. The Nasdaq was down 0.8%. And in Asia on Friday, the Nikkei was up 0.9%. Hang Seng was up 2.5%. Shanghai's composite, uh, mainland, Chinese stocks, uh, mainland Chinese financial markets were still closed for the Lunar New Year holidays. They will reopen today. And in Singapore, it was up 1.4% and the FBM KLCI for us was up 0.3% at 1,534 points. Well, for some thoughts on where international markets could be heading this week, we have on the line with us Clifford Bennett, independent economist. Clifford, good morning. Thanks very much for joining us. So U.S. stock markets fell last Friday due to concerns that the Fed may cut interest rates later rather than sooner due to higher inflationary concerns. Will equity rebound this week, do you think? Or are there further externalities that might continue to weigh down on stocks? Uh, Good morning, and thank you for having me on your show again. It's a great pleasure. Um, I really do think that the US equity market is in a situation of perhaps over-exuberance. But over the last two weeks, we've seen a sharp increase in daily volatility within the New York trading session. And in some ways, there's overreactions to the current data release, because while that producer prices number was strong, acceleration 0.3%, that's still in the range of what would be a normally reasonable uh, experience for those prices uh, historically. So I think the market's very jittery at the moment, and that could be a function, too, of how narrow the rallies have been. I mean, we see the headlines of the U.S. stock market making all-time new record highs, but it's only sort of a half a dozen stocks that are doing so, and 490 stocks, or the Russell 2000, for instance, is still down sort of 14% from its previous high. So I think we just have to be a little bit careful about how narrow this rally has been in the U.S. market. So for the week ahead, uh, people are going to be watching a lot of PMI data, uh, but I do think there's a theme there in the background, and I know the market's become a little bit binary about just responding to what it thinks the Fed will do or inflation-free numbers. Uh, It's an oversimplification in some way, but through this week, I think we're just going to see a confirmation of what we have seen lately for the U.S. economy, and that is tremendously weaker uh, U.S. economic data. So Clifford, what shall we do then? Because all the markets that went up last year continue to do well. So like the United States is one, Japan is the other. Should we then be looking at lagger markets or do we look at defensive assets? Well, it's a very good question because as you know, last year I pretty much got the economic outlook reasonably right, but I didn't get equities right over the last several months. Um, because the equity market seems to be responding less and less to on-the-ground economic fundamentals. 
uh, and purely is being driven by uh, perhaps this massive US government spending, which is finding its way through people's pockets and into uh, investments. Uh, and, you know, it really is a record sort of fiscal splurge that is happening in the US and it has occurred elsewhere around the world too. So I think equity markets are to some degree detached from the economic reality. And while I said that was a, a, a oversimplification to be trading the equity market purely on uh, Fed outlook sentiment, it seems to be one that's been working. So I would suggest what we should do is hold companies that we really personally like for personal reasons, for specific reasons that we favour, but not necessarily have a broad equity portfolio at this stage. And just be aware that some of the stocks that have been hot over the last six months, we all know Magnificent Seven had a good run, but already Tesla's dropped out of that and Apple looks a little bit strange as well. So the the Magnificent Seven itself is looking a little shaky. Um, so just be aware that rally has been narrow. Be cautious, more cautious than ever in your particular stock selection. Clifford, uh, you mentioned just now that you note, noted a sharp increase in volatility. I was wondering what, what this means and do you reckon uh, that, that we might still be seeing the current upward trend sustaining, albeit with the correction, if you like, or, or is this a reversal at this point? Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll let you in on a pet sort of theory I have, but I don't really have the data to support it. But there are anecdotal sort of suggestions I could be right. It's almost as if Wall Street has done a very good job over the last six months of purely positive spin on anything economic. If it's bad economic data, that's great for stocks because it means the Fed will cut rates. If it's good economic data, that's great for stocks because it means the economy is strong. So. Um, I'm wondering if some of those big players up there, because we've never had such a centralization of uh, stock holdings as we do now in those big three companies like First State and BlackRock, et cetera. Um, and I'm wondering if in a way there's a conspiracy theory to get the rest of us all very bullish and long so that the big players can begin to offload some of their stock holdings, which have given them tremendous profits. So I guess my underlying point is what a few, a handful of big funds are doing right now is probably generating that volatility. Uh, and they could be getting enthusiastic about the idea of just taking some profits here. Clifford, can we turn our attention to the G7? Because two G7 nations, Japan and the UK, have now gone into a technical recession. Why have these particular two countries been hit with two consecutive quarters of negative growth? And is that the path that's going to be sustained for 2024? Yes, I mean, I've been feeling for some time that the entire global economy is slowing. And, uh, and that's another example of the Wall Street spin doctors. We've now got this new term, which only started happening in the last couple of years, of a technical recession. I mean, if it's a recession, it is a recession. Um, so apparently a technical recession is okay. Um, but yes, we have that now for Japan and UK. But also I see Germany as having been in recession for three quarters now. Um, it's had zero or negative growth in the last three quarters. So Germany, you could say, is in recession as well. And they've tried to say, oh, Germany's out of recession because it has zero growth. It wasn't negative. No, I, I still think that's a, an economy in trouble. Um, and we've seen Canada, too, over the last two quarters. It's only had one negative quarter, but over the last two quarters, it's had zero growth. Um, and we're seeing, you know, Italy seems to have just come out of a recession. So there are very significant soft 
areas of the global economy, particularly for the Western economies. Uh, and I think that those kinds of problems are going to become ever more self-evident. Uh, and, you know, there are a lot of pressures in terms of the global economic outlook at the moment. I want to ask you about your views on China. It reopens, the markets reopen after a very long holiday. And so far, data points suggest that the Chinese are back at pre-COVID levels when it comes to spending during the, this critical period, this Chinese New Year period. So hotels, are, are occupancies, are, Macau gaming numbers are very encouraging. How do you think this will impact China and Hang Seng Index, well, which have been laggards on a year-to-date basis? Macau gaming numbers. Okay, so this is where our society is at now. Um, <laughs> no, it is an indicator. It is a valid indicator. It suggests, you know, some exuberance and, and confidence. Um, I think China has permanently reset, and I've been saying this since deep in COVID times, that COVID masked what was a natural resetting of the Chinese economy to still overall reasonable to strong economic growth but nothing like the previous gangbusters year. If you like, China has matured as an industrial nation, consumer society, uh, to many regards. Of course, that hasn't spread throughout the entire nation and the populace, uh, but certainly it is a very maturing uh, capitalist economic system, albeit not uh, a typical democratic econ uh, political system, but still it's a valid political system. Um, and I think we just have to see that going forward, China's probably going to be experiencing growth for the next three decades of 2 to 5% in the main, uh, but nothing like those 8% numbers we previously saw. So once people recognise this is the world's second largest economy, and it's still growing, it had been growing, and I think we're, we're seeing that stabilisation you've just alluded to there, we're seeing a stabilisation that will generate 2 to 5% growth for the Chinese economy this year. Uh, but we should celebrate that and not be concerned about that. Clifford, thanks very much for speaking with us. That was Clifford Bennett, independent economist, giving us his take on some of the trends that he sees moving markets in the days and weeks ahead. I think a lot to watch in terms of numbers that are coming up and uh, everyone's going to be trying to decipher what that bodes for the Fed monetary policy decision making. Um, all eyes on the Fed for sure for the next couple months. Yeah, I, I was kind of interested in the fact that he was saying, uh, he was talking about the in sharp increase in volatility that he noticed in the in the US markets. Because if you notice the the, the charts for uh, what's happening on, on, on Wall Street is that there's been a very sustained positive upward momentum since September, October last year. And, you know, there's this thing called gravity that will likely bring, bring things down eventually, which is uh, why I was like a little bit... Uh, concern about where it's heading. He, his, his conspiracy theory has started me thinking, to be honest. Big funds generating volatility so that they can take profit. <laughs> I think a lot of it is also just a lot of liquidity left in the system. Not many people are redeeming, be it institutional or retailers, right? Because everybody's looking at the index going up. So there's a bit of FOMO here. So money is mm. still flowing into equities. I think that's what's happening. But whether there's any black swan event that will really scare investors at this moment, unlikely though. Uh, but I think we should squeeze in one more. Um, let's let's yeah. take a look at some of the earnings report that came out last Friday. We have earnings from Airbus. Their revenue 
revenue increased by 11% on year to 65 billion euros for its full year 2023 results. Uh, the aircraft manufacturer attributed the hike to higher commercial aircraft deliveries with a total 735 aircrafts delivered in 2023. Revenues generated by commercial aircraft deliveries rose 15%. However, its net income fell 11% to 3.8 billion euros. And despite that, its order book is strong with over 2,000 aircraft orders in 2023 after cancellations, totaling about 186 billion euros. And this is compared to its 2022 figure of 820 orders. Yeah, okay. So I want to contrast their results or their performance against Boeing, which, has a, which hasn't had such <laughs> such good times. Okay, so Airbus is up 4.69% on a year-to-date basis. 20 buys, 5 holes, 2 sells. Consensus target prices is listed in Paris, 163 euros. Current share price is 146 euros. Versus Boeing, which has had a litany of disasters, down 22%, 23 buys though, 10 holes and just one sell. Consensus target price for them, 255 US dollars. So the last time price actually, I was surprised, not down that much. 203 US dollars and 89 cents. I think a lot of it due to the fact that everybody wants planes and there just isn't enough anywhere. And as long as, because basically there are just only two major aircraft manufacturers in the whole mm. world, Airbus and Boeing. So both share prices. I mean, Boeing less lucky than Airbus, but you don't have much choice. So all of them, I think, have very robust order books. All right. It's 7.19 in the morning. We're going to head into some messages, but we'll look at the top stories in the newspapers and portal this morning when we come back. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.